0: We were the best. Is this legit? Let's just say, you know, it's missing from Spain.
1: Those people, those corrupt people, I'm going after them. Irving, you're the best at what you do in the whole country. I want you to teach me everything you know. But if you run, then your life's over. This is where the politicians and the mafia In a second, You are taking us to a very dangerous place. What, are those the guys that you guys are scared of? They look like the perfect people to buy me a drink. American Hustle, select theaters December 13th. back once again to the movie for two podcast i'm tim collins and with me is someone who when making the morning coffee also struggles with the science oven aka the microwave danny lee welcome
0: (laughs) that poor science oven yeah i can't quite get it right can i
1: yeah your heating of the milk is uh, quite hit and miss on (laughs) on the weekday morning
0: depends what mug it is depends how cold the milk is. If you're comparing me to Jennifer Lawrence, I'm okay with that though.
1: Yeah, I thought, thought you might have taken that. <laughs> How are you finding this uh, self-isolation thing overall?
0: We've run out of beer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely the first commodity that is uh, <laughs> to run low, isn't it? I
0: thought we were going to run out of milk first. We've run out of beer. Yeah. We're going to have to go back down the street.
1: Yeah, so beer aside, I think we're doing okay overall. We've uh, we've got a fair bit of movie watching done, which has been good. Um, obviously, we're starting to get back into the swing of things with these episodes. Mm-hmm. We've uh, we've so we've gone for American Hustle with this particular one. I think we wanted to go in a slightly different direction, given that we've touched uh, quite a bit on the rom com genre of of late. When you think we've done Silver Linings Playbook, you think of Crazy Rich Asians. We did Focus and that's a heist movie. It's, it's, a it's not a heist movie. It's 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 trying to be a heist movie. It's a rom-com. <laughs> what did we do most recently?
0: When Harry Met Sally? Yeah,
1: I should remember that considering I recorded that like two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> so now on to American Hustle, which is a totally different genre. This is in very much the sort of the con and, you know, who's conning who kind of genre. This is a really, really good movie. There's a lot that I want to get into, so let's get to it. American Hustle was released in Australia on the 12th of December, 2013. This is a movie about a con man and his girlfriend who are forced to work for a boundary-crossing FBI agent who wants to use them to take down corrupt officials and members of the mafia. This stars Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence, Jeremy Renner, Robert De Niro, and many more. That's a pretty fair cast, isn't it? Yeah. This movie was directed by David O. Russell, who basically just pulled together the cast from his previous two movies in Silver Linings, (laughs) Playbook and The Fighter. Yeah. Uh, This was an Oscar nominee for, let me just read this out. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Costume Design, Film Editing, Production Design and Best Original Screenplay.
0: Unreal. Somehow it didn't win for any of them though. Well, didn't it come out in the same year as Wolf of Wall Street? It did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But still, you know, it was nominated. (laughs) That's like ten categories. Didn't get nominated. Yeah, I think the odds
0: would have been in their favour. That's for sure. Yeah.
1: So this had a budget of forty million and made two hundred and fifty one, which makes it an unquestionable success. It has an IMDb score of seven point two out of ten, which I think is on Mm. a little bit on the low side for this. I think it's a little bit better than that. And Danny about right. You quite like movies like this, don't you, that sort of touch on sort of fact and real life but have a bit of a loose interpretation of that.
0: Yeah, loose is definitely the word. (laughs) Because, yeah, like so many other Hollywood movies, it's based on true events. But I think this one really stands out because what's true and what's dramatised really doesn't matter here. You're not going to this movie for the facts. I didn't even know it was really based on a story, like if you were going to see it for the first time. And I'm not at all saying that this replaces the reporting that goes into finding the truth because from what I've read, the real story is actually more outrageous than the movie. Yeah. So it's just the strength of the acting in this that's the reason that we watch movies about real events rather than documentaries or reading the articles that they come from. So I think the best line in the movie that sums up this whole thing is razzle-dazzle. It's about the theatre of the whole thing.
1: Yeah. This is definitely an elaborate, over-the-top movie. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty zany Ooh, yeah. and loose in places. The thing about it, and this is what I had when I was jotting down my notes, as we, as I always do, I'm just jotting them down on my phone as we watch the movie. I had basically one note for this whole movie. Most of the time I write down a whole bunch of stuff. I've got yeah. stuff everywhere. For this one, I don't know. I just wrote down one note and then basically just took the rest of it in, and I don't know why I did that on this one. I just happened to do it. The one note that I had was, this is David O. Russell's Goodfellas. <laughs>
0: That's what everyone else is comparing it to. And I yes. hadn't
1: read I hadn't read all the other stuff, and that's not me trying to big me up. It's just that you know, you and I we've we're very enthusiastic about our cinema and movies and all that sort of stuff. Without being like super hardcore nerdy yeah. about it. We don't know the history of literally everything like, like. some other people do. <laughs> However, it basically does feel like a Scorsese movie, this. Particularly the opening, like, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, I'm like, this is Goodfellas with a slightly different director. But it's the same, the way it's delivered, you've mm-hmm. got the, the the narration, the way that you presented both sides very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you quickly think back to the all of those sort of navigating through the bars and all of that in, in, in Goodfellas. I'm like, this is just Scorsese down to a T. But what I love most about this movie is that sort of the plot is of secondary importance yes. to the movie. It's like and you know, I do have a few problems with the with the plot and we can talk about that a little bit later, but it's sort of, it really doesn't matter a whole lot. This is all about just getting lost in the characters. It's a character study basically. And it's essentially all about excess and the American dream and sort of wanting a better life for whatever that means. But the way that that's sort of all done is in this really, really Scorsese way. You've got like the way that the camera moves is like Mm. Scorsese, the way it like goes into people's houses and then goes into people's like, you know, the clubs and, you know, and bars and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. All of that the way that these big booming pop tunes come in at like critical junctures and we'll sort of get to some of that stuff shortly. It's kind of like Scorsese in a bit of a crazy zanier kind of way and I I absolutely love it for that.
0: Yeah, I think the most important part is that it opens with that really tense – meeting of the three main characters. You start with the tension, which is the same as Goodfellas it op- it opens with them shooting a guy in the boot, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually open <laughs> this one actually opens with Christian Bale putting his hair on. But <laughs> if, if you want to get really specific.
0: That is true. Yes.
1: So Danny what about this uh this movie it makes it a movie for two in your eyes?
0: I think it's because the overarching theme of the movie is reinvention and like we can all relate to that, right? So it's I found it really empowering to watch. And by the end of the movie, because of the way the characters just embody these wild versions of themselves, you come out of the movie feeling braver, more bold, and maybe you even think you should try out some hair rollers.
1: Jesus, I thought you were going to say maybe you even think you'd try out some crime. <laughs> 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 I was like, I was like, Danny's feeling empowered to try and have a life in the underworld. <laughs>
0: I am not cut out for that. That's for sure.
1: The thing that I had for this about what makes it a movie for two, and it's what we said when we did silver linings and obviously it's no surprise here. It's just, it's the same director that David O Russell is one of only a very small number of directors. I think who's really interested in actually creating seriously fascinating characters in both men and women, particularly in this particular genre women are typically little more than materialistic nags that sort of turned a blind eye to their husband's crime. You know, you think about pretty much all of the crime movies yeah. in, in history. The women, there's there's no fleshed out characters in them. It's no. it's often that those characters are so poorly written. They're sort of, they're nothing more than almost. And
0: they're all being cheated on.
1: Yeah, they're all being cheated on. I mean, on.
0: they are in this anyway, so I don't know why I said
1: that. And, and, and they're written in a way that you hate being around them when they're in the scenes. You just yeah. want them to piss off. It's mm. like, go away. Whereas in this, you've got two incredible female characters coupled with two really great performances by the actors that play Mm. them. And so I think that this is a movie for two because it embraces some of the best qualities of this particular genre, but then gets rid of those poorly written female characters that so often plague this sort of genre and swaps them for two real scene stealers.
0: Couldn't have put it better myself. Oh,
1: thank you. (laughs) Do you want to get into the segments?
0: <laughs> absolutely.
1: Okay. So as always, we'll start with perfection, imperfection. We'll start with perfection where we pick out things that for one reason or another were perfect in the movie. Can I start on this one? Go for it, yeah. I just wanted to say that my first point touches on what sort of what you were saying earlier about the sort of the loosely based history thing. Yeah. I absolutely love the first thing that you see in this movie is a line that comes up on the screen that says some of this actually happened. <laughs> I love, yeah. I love that. It gives you an idea of like, okay, this is going to go somewhere interesting. Yes. But it's not going to get bogged down in stuff that it doesn't need to get bogged down into. It's going to be a pretty entertaining take on that particular thing that it's, it's, that it's referencing, that it's based on. Yeah. I think particularly for an Australian audience – where we're not so familiar with some of these sort of, you know, points in American history and these sort of scandals and that sort of stuff, that's not sort of broadcast to us in quite the same way. Mm. We don't really want to get stuck in the nitty-gritty of those sort of stories. We're more looking for the entertainment. And then when you see that come up, you're like, okay, this is going to be based on something that's pretty out there, but I'm going to get a whole bunch of unreal entertainment around it.
0: Yeah, I really love that point too. It means you didn't have to go into this movie because it's not the shortest movie. No, it's like two hours, 20, yeah. Yeah, so you can go into it being like, okay, this is just going to be a bit of fun
1: what have you got for uh, perfection
0: the way that this movie is just fearless oh yeah yeah. it slaps you across the face with tension right from the beginning like I said before it's fearless in execution it's fearless in styling and all the characters are just utterly fearless in what they're going after so for those actors, it must've been a real dream job basically.
1: Yeah. It really feels like they've been unhinged in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think that that goes back to that point that I was saying about David O. Russell writes Mm. genuinely interesting female characters in particular. You can really get a sense that Jennifer Lawrence and Amy Adams in this have just been told to fucking go for it. Like just like, you know, and it, (laughs) I mean, in a lot of ways, Jennifer Lawrence is doing much the same thing that she's doing in silver lining. She's playing this pretty extreme character, but Amy Adams is sort of being totally just let off the, leash as well and just being like, just go for it. Be the most outrageous version of the, of you that you want to be Yeah, and we're going to embrace it.
0: I watched an interview with her. It was when Vice had come out because she's in that with Christian Bale and then she was also, I'd forgotten that she was in The Fighter as yeah. well. So she's like, I'm really a quiet person, but in all my movies, I'm just yelling at Christian Bale. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a good point. I actually <laughs> hadn't thought about that.
0: Yeah, she's so strong; it's just amazing to watch.
1: Speaking of this being extremely bold, one of the points that I had for perfection was just that this is a uh, costume designers gone totally mad.
0: Oh my god, yes! So it's like yep.
1: velvet perms, hair pieces, <laughs> just fur everywhere. Yeah. Gold is everywhere. Uh-huh. Enormous lapels, even bigger collars, like. <laughs> The whole thing's completely and utterly mental, but it, it looks so awesome. And what I love is that it sort of t- it sort of ties into the the idea of what all of these people are trying to achieve, which is this sort of American dream and trying to escape where they're from and sort mm-hmm. of you know access riches and a lifestyle that they always thought was beyond them. And they think that all of this materialistic stuff is what that is. Yeah, and the so, biggest
0: version of themselves. Yeah. Basically. So it
1: ties into sort of what they're all trying to achieve. And even though that the costumes are totally and utterly insane. Saying, yes. at the same time it fits with the tone of the movie in a, in a really neat way.
0: Yeah, because at the start, Amy Adams, everything she's wearing, I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. But then in my head I kept picturing all the outfits I know she was going to be wearing by the end of it. And it's so funny that you pick up on the lapels because, like, the men, their lapels are huge and her dress is probably the size of their lapels.
1: How much uh, double-sided tape do you reckon was going on in this one? Oh, dear. She wears plunging necklines to a pretty extreme. Uh, yeah. Very uh, very noticeable lack of bra too. Is that <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is my one of my imperfection points right. for sure. Right. I
1: wasn't sure if I was allowed to bring that one up. Yeah,
0: but... no, you were. <laughs> okay.
1: What else have you got for perfection before we get later to imperfection?
0: I love that the narration is done by so many different characters. It really adds to the con because you don't know who is in control of the story, who's going to be telling the story next, which angle is it coming from, just like you don't know who's in control of the actual con that's happening or the yep. scam.
1: It's got that sort of Goodfellas vibe as well in the way that you're getting sort of narration from two sides. Yeah. And you, it's it's not just a single character providing a single point of view and you are getting that sort of, you know, meeting of sort of different ideas and different viewpoints and mm. I think that's an interesting way. I'm not sure that as from a from a narration standpoint that that's a common thing. No. That felt to me as though quite an unusual way to take narration.
0: It did to me too and especially at the start where it's more narration than dialogue. Yes. They're talking over the top to explain explain everything, and I was like, oh... I don't remember the narration being such a big part of the movie, but it definitely does dwindle out towards the end.
1: One of the uh, one of the other things that I had for perfection was just the timing of the music in this is just That's incredible. My next stop
0: point. <laughs> it's just so many awesome, <laughs> awesome
1: moments, and and where the music just comes in. And as we said before, it's that real Scorsese thing of just yep. dropping like an absolute pop banger into a sort of like a big moment. Yeah. I was going through, and I think a few of my favorites are when. Um, Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road by Elton John drops at one of the sort of the key junctures in in the movie, and it's where Sydney and Rosalind face off. Obviously, yeah. you've got the wife and the girlfriend sort They're of meeting for
0: the, the for the
1: first yeah. time, and then you've got the fake sheik is <laughs> meeting the mayor. <laughs> and you've got the smoke coming in and then you've got Alton banging in the background in this really huge big dramatic way that's yeah. awesome I, I love that whole sequence that's awesome
0: that's definitely one of my favorite bits as well
1: and then soon after that you've got when uh, you've got Santana playing when Roslyn walks over nonchalantly to the to the gangsters in the club that sort of are meant <laughs> to be the really scary guys that no one else is that yeah. wants to go and talk to them she's like those are the guys that you guys are all scared of those guys over there they don't, you scare, I don't scare me. I'm not scared. Rosalie, Rosalie. And then uh, I think the other one, which is really, really effective, is when the FBI thinks they've got the confession that they need and you get There's the Gene Genie by Bowie. Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. If we have to pay somebody off, we'll pay somebody off. If we have to lean on somebody, intimidate somebody, we'll intimidate (laughs) somebody. (laughs)
1: like, and the the way that that sort of punctuates through it, I think there's some great moments in there.
0: And it's so, they could have so easily overdone it. Like there is still a lot of music in this, but the whole movie is big and loud and electric and in your face, but it could have destroyed the whole flow of the movie. I still think they did a really good job of controlling what songs they use and when.
1: I actually read an interesting interview with uh, David O. Russell and I, I, I must admit I did sort of skim read it a little bit. I didn't go right through it. It was pretty long. Yeah, But he was basically saying that one of the things that appealed to him about a lot of the tracks in this is that he wanted to pick out things that weren't considered intrinsically cool. And sort of almost reverse the way that people sort of see them. So things that are maybe seen a bit cheesy or a bit uncool, yeah. and put them into a cool setting and totally change the perception of them. And I was like, if you actually go through the list of songs yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's on it, it's not a cool list. You know, it's like BGS <laughs> and Elton John and all this sort of stuff. Like that yeah, stuff's yeah, yeah. not like that stuff's popular in its day without being intrinsically cool, if you know what I mean. And he's gone and made deliberate choices like that and put a totally different slant on all those tracks. I just had to go and look at the
0: actual soundtrack and cause that's actually a really cool point. I love that. It's
1: worth following on, uh, on Spotify. This <laughs> one listeners, if you haven't had a look, check out the American hustle soundtrack on Spotify. It's a banger.
0: That's a lot of fun.
1: What else have you got for perfection?
0: I think that Amy Adams steals the whole
1: show. Oh, really? Yes. I actually had a thing that I think Jennifer Lawrence does.
0: Oh, okay. That, that's
1: okay. Yep. It's fine to disagree. I yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Can I give you my points yeah, about of course. why? Okay. So Bradley Cooper, I take a while to kind of warm up to him.
1: Yeah, I think he's a bit of a dick in this. Well, I mean, he has to play the dick. He has
0: to play a dick, but I also don't believe he's acting until he gets really reckless. Yep, yep. You know what I mean? Totally. Basically after you see him in the hair rollers and after the disco and all that, then I believe his performance. Before that point, don't yeah, buy it.
1: I, yeah, he does take a while to warm into it and I think he's at his strongest when he starts sort of really realising that he's falling for Sydney. Yes. And and once he sort of gets stuck in that and then he sort of gets too deep in, mm. I think that's when he sort of comes alive. Yeah, a bit, yeah,
0: exactly. So it's not the whole film. You kind of, you expect Bale to do this and to do it well. So there's just that level of expectation of him being higher than everyone else, I think. And then Jennifer Lawrence is so delusional, it is hilarious. She's fucking
1: like mental. <laughs> one. But,
0: but Amy Adams is playing, she's the biggest role in this because she's like the brains behind the whole con basically. Without her, the whole thing
1: falls apart. Yep.
0: And because she's more subdued, she makes you really lean in and pay attention.
1: Yes, yeah. I, I know what you mean. She's, um. there's a sort of, there's there's probably more layers to her mm. character, whereas Jennifer Lawrence is sort of like you know she's she's you get Wild. what you get like it's <laughs> sort of it's all it's all um, yeah. you get it immediately you don't sort of sort of you know sort of get into her character steadily as you go yeah she's a complete nutter lunatic from like literally the first <laughs> time the first time she's on the screen she's basically she's burned the, the house expert. down. Yeah. <laughs>
0: a lamp with the sun
1: in it. One of my other points that was <laughs> just on Jennifer Lawrence was how good is the scene when she's just screaming live and let die while,
0: while cleaning <laughs> the
1: house, aggressively <laughs> <laughs> cleaning bench tops.
0: <laughs> her son's just sitting in the background, kind of like, okay, this is normal, perfectly normal day in her household, by the look of so, it.
1: So good. Yeah,
0: some good miming in this.
1: I also love the um, when it when it comes to really overpowering music. I love the big Delilah scene in the club when you've got uh, Irving and then you've got Carmine the, in the club oh, and they stand yes. up together yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're doing the yeah. big Delilah uh, song. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna sing. That's Sorry. a really. <laughs>
1: You sure? Yes. You don't want to entertain the listeners no. like that? No, okay.
0: I sung way too much in the last episode.
1: <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. But one of the, um, so away from music though, one of the things, and actually weirdly this is a point that ties into music because I've got a sort of little comparison here that I'm going to make, but away specifically from the 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 music of the movie mm. is that what I like about this movie is I don't feel as, as though it ever quite crescendos completely. And I'll try and sort of explain to you what I mean here you know, it kind of reminds me of a Daft Punk track like Touch It or Technologic, Too Long, Steam Machine. I went back and and sort of played all of those tracks because I was thinking there's a bit of Daft Punk about this in a weird way that I'm I'm trying to explain. Yeah. (laughs) And it's sort of that they build and build But they never quite fully crescendo and drop completely. They sort of keep you hanging on in this tantalising way. They sort of build, 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 and then kind of crescendo, and and sort of kind of drop. But they, in a lot of ways, they never do that huge drop that you think about in a lot of electronic music. And I think that this movie has that quality in a way. There isn't a, a single point in the movie that completely blows you away. But there's so many smaller moments that leave you going kind of like, give me a bit more, give me a bit more, give me a bit more. And I kind of feel like it's a bit of a Daft Punk track.
0: I was thinking about that in a kind of different way. It's funny that we sort of had the same conclusion, I guess, because I was thinking there's a level of tension there the whole time and it feels really dramatic and that it's building and building and building and that anything could happen
1: but it doesn't but quite it
0: doesn't explode no yeah. there's not that
1: huge like there's not a scene in this particular movie where you like you come out of it being like oh my god like how about that bit? Yeah. Like, there isn't that. It kind of just sort of keeps you sort of wanting a bit more, wanting a bit more, but it never quite gives it to you. Yeah. I kinda of like that about it.
0: Even when you know even when you find out at the end that, you know, the con hasn't fallen through as badly as you thought it had, you kind of you can kind of see it coming the whole time, so it never just shocks you.
1: Yeah, totally. Have you got anything else for perfection?
0: Just one little thing, yeah. which is, I guess it's amazing that throughout the whole movie you're cheering for two con artists to beat the system, and then you're cheering for a corrupt, corrupt politician.
1: Yeah, it, I mean the corrupt politician played by Jeremy Renner. It's really good. He actually, you're sort of really warm to yeah. him. You sort of think he's a, like a decent dude. Yeah, he's kind of like the family man. He's sort yeah. of pretty in touch with his community and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Like he's still a corrupt official at the end of the day, <laughs> but he he actually plays a really sort of like warming kind of guy. Yeah, totally agree. The final point that I had for perfection was that just Christian Bale's transformation in this is, Mm. it's pretty incredible. And I wanted to sort of put it into context like this. Remember that this is a guy that played Batman. Yes. Can you imagine George Clooney or Ben Affleck pulling off what, christian bale does in this particular movie
0: no one else does do they it's insane is he the only one that goes to these sorts of lengths
1: this is a guy who was in who's in batman who's basically like you know picture perfect rich guy mm-hmm. in american psycho is obviously a twisted complete psycho but from a physical standpoint is like ripped and extremely mm-hmm. good looking and all of that in this he transforms himself into a small-time con artist who's pretty much repugnant to the point that he doesn't care That actually makes him quite appealing. I can't think (laughs) of another actor that can go anywhere near pulling that off.
0: Yeah, he does an incredible job. I completely agree.
1: It's so good. And then he actually does that same sort of role. I mean, he's not sort of, you know, appealing, but in Vice. Yeah, Mm. when he plays Dick Cheney. But the way that he's able to be someone like Batman Mm -hmm. and then also someone like this, it's an incredible feat of acting, isn't it?
0: Yeah, he really is amazing.
1: Okay, before we get to imperfection, time for a quick break. Hey guys, just a quick break to remind you about the ways that you can support and get involved in the podcast. First, make sure you're subscribed or following us wherever you get your pods. And if you're an Apple user, we'd love if you took a minute to leave us a rating and a review. Also, get following us on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook now too, at Movie for Two Podcast. Accounts which we want to dedicate to fun and distraction during these tough times of daytime drinking. So head over there and get involved, and it's there where we take suggestions for movies that you want us to cover with an episode of the podcast. And lastly, we'd love it if you recommended us to a friend. We all need entertainment and distractions right now. After all, the whole point of this pod is about sharing, right? That's all for now. Back to American Hustle. All right, we're back. Time for Imperfection, where I think this might be a slightly shorter run through this particular category. I don't have a lot here.
0: I don't have a lot. Not as little as I had for When Harry Met Sally, though.
1: Okay. Do you want to start then?
0: Yeah, because it's with the whole plot.
1: Yeah. I, this is sort of where I sort of come in as well. Yeah. yeah. Go on.
0: It's just a very confusing movie. Yes. It's much better if as you watch it more times. Uh, I think the first time you see it, it's just a whirlwind of disco and curly hair and that's it. The plot is completely irrelevant. It gets better the more times you see it.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that the sort of the whole who's conning who situation, which is sort of the, the the premise of this movie, and and you're sort of always in the limbo as to sort of, you know, who's really conning the sort of who here. And
0: even just what are the stakes? Like yeah, sometimes it's, it's really hard to even figure out why are they talking to these politicians and all this sort of stuff.
1: Totally. And I, I think that this movie, it struggles to achieve clarity over exactly what its plot is. I, mm. think, I think it does sort of struggle there. I think it needs extended voiceovers to detail the con as well, which I think can be a little bit clunky rather than sort of being able to do that with really tight screenwriting and script writing. And I think that can be just generally a bit hard to follow if you're sort of just sort of taking the movie in rather than like listening intently to every single word. Mm. And I think because of that, it becomes a bit of a minor distraction from the strength of the individual scenes.
0: Yep. Completely agree with you.
1: Have you got anything else for imperfection?
0: Yeah, I do have a couple of things. Uh, We already talked about Sydney's outfits, how minimal they are. Yep. Like I get that they're meant to be – she's meant to be empowered by wearing them. Yes. But I just think it's just overkill. The other thing with Sydney – when she's talking about running away with Irving at the start, when they're like, "Let's just get away," she's like, "Let's run away to Estonia or Romania."
1: Yeah, of all
0: the countries you could pick.
1: Yeah, I know you Why? might. Yeah, you, know, you might sort of be like in the Caribbean or something like that, or you know, southern Spain so or cold. you know, yeah, you know no. Lake Como in Italy or oh, something like that. Yes, you know, all, all this sort of stuff. Like, <laughs> I'm not running off to an Eastern European country, no. and that's no offense to anyone that lives there because I'm sure they wouldn't run off there either
0: into Estonia, it was nice, but we can't get – we're going to have a 10-minute sidetrack about, whoa, what countries would we run off to if we could right now?
1: Also, really expensive beer in Estonia. (laughs) Do you remember that? It wasn't cheap up there. Yeah, no. Latvia was the same. Weirdly, you'd think Mm -hmm. in those Eastern European places it'd be relatively cheap. No. It's not. Don't go there if you want to sort of, you know, get the sauce for not a lot of cash. (laughs) The other thing that I've got for imperfection, and this is actually the only other point that I've got, is that it's sort of almost a bit of a shame that this movie – just fall short of being iconic. I think that you've got a lot of ingredients there that can really make an iconic movie. You've got the star quality. Not only have you got those the star quality, you've got stars in the prime of their careers as mm. well. A large contingent of them too. Yeah. You've got a really great director, as we've said. David O. Russell is a really, really outstanding director at the moment. You've got fascinating characters. You've got a soundtrack which is grammy nominated i just want to add wow. that to the to also for if you're going to go and follow this on on spotify just you know note that it is a grammy nominated soundtrack <laughs> but somehow with all of those ingredients it falls just a little bit short of being an iconic movie i just think it's a shame that it didn't quite get to those heights and i think it just goes back to the story and the plot takes away from the ingredients a little bit i just don't think it's tight enough i don't think it's succinct enough and i sort of think that it, it meanders its way from great scene to great scene rather than storming between them with purpose.
0: Yeah, so you're kind of saying that if it was a bit shorter and more succinct, it would be much better.
1: I think it could be a much well, punch. that
0: would be one thing. Yeah,
1: I think it can be much punchy. I think it needs a much tighter overall plot and a clearer sort of identity to it. Yep. But, yeah, I think you've got so many great little individual bits and pieces mm-hmm. and there's just a bit that doesn't quite thread them all together.
0: Yeah, very good point.
1: Have you got anything else for Perfection? one other thing. Yeah?
0: I can't even believe I'm about to say it. Right but I think Rosalind should have been played by someone else. Oh, no! I love Jennifer Lawrence and I love the dialogue that she has, but but I just, it's over the top. And and because she just did Silver Linings Playbook just before this, like I think it's just too close in character and time.
1: But don't you think that there's a real lack of, you know, female characters of this strength that, you know, you need as many of these as we can get?
0: Well, yeah, I couldn't think of anybody else who could do it, but I just... Maybe I was just trying to have a character that was more plausible. She plays a really good unhinged housewife.
1: But I think that's the sort of the the point of her character is to add to the overall sort of unhinged feeling of this movie. This is a a movie where the characters have just been told to absolutely go for it Mm. and therefore they put that character in the hands of an actor who's capable of doing that.
0: Yeah, okay, fair
1: enough. I'm going to stick with my point of her being imperfection, thank you. (laughs) Right, moving on. Time for our next segment, which is Lingo Bingo. We got this one in our last movie, Harry <gasps> Met Sally. We got bingo. You
0: <laughs> It's a bingo.
1: As everyone knows, this is a segment all about language where we've got to hit three things for bingo. Those three things are killer dialogue, lovable jargon, and lines and phrases that have entered everyday language. With this one, killer dialogue, it's definitely got some good contenders.
0: There's a lot in here. Have
1: you got a favourite?
0: I think one of my favourites is when Irving and Richie are in the museum. And they're looking at the painting he says, people believe what they want to believe because the guy who made this was so good that it's real to everybody. Now who's the master, the painter or the forger? That's a fake. That's the way w- the world works. Not black and white, as you say. Extremely grey. Yeah,
1: I like that. It's, it's a, real nice. Yeah, it's one of those little moments where Irving gets to sort of really demonstrate that he's the one that's seeing this whole picture in a way mm. that the FBI just can't see it. Yep. I really like that little moment. He's that's a control. good one. I, I think my... Favourite one when it comes to short dialogue is just uh, when you're first introduced to Rosalind and, that you know, it's very clear that her and Irving are not happy at all. And, you know, he's talking about like, we're just not happy, you know, maybe we need to consider, you know, breaking up and all this. And at this point he's already sleeping with Sydney on the side yeah. anyway. And Rosalind goes, we fight and then we fuck. That's our thing. And then <laughs> the next thing that you get is the narration from Irving. And he goes, she was the Picasso of passive-aggressive karate. <laughs>
0: passive aggressive karate is such a good line
1: it's so good i love that little bit have you got another contender i
0: have another short one which is irving and carmine and irving says i believe that you should treat people the way you want to be treated right didn't jesus say that or something also always take a favor over money I think Jesus said that as well. <laughs> apparently he got that from the real guy that he was sort of like playing. Really? Yeah. You
1: can imagine that being the sort of bogus sort of thing that a sort of con artist says. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, uh, yeah. My other one that I've got in front of me is another Rosalind one. As you can see, I'm very big you on. You
0: are. Yeah,
1: I just, you know, her in this and in Silver Linings, I just think that they're two of the strongest female characters that movies have presented in a long time. Mm. And so I'm just, I'm just all for seeing – more fully fleshed out characters rather than having movies where you've got, you know, one good character and then you've got a whole bunch of sort of, you know, totally unfleshed out characters around them. And that's why I like this particular role so much.
0: Do I need to be worried about your obsession with Jennifer Lawrence? No,
1: no, not at all. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure that I can just go out there and get her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. That's good to know that that's your boundary.
1: <laughs> so I like when he, uh, he comes home with the microwave that he's just been given by Carmine. <laughs> <Yes. and> he, <laughs> they're calling it the science oven. <laughs> Just, I don't know what the hell that it is <laughs> Anyway, it's just so good And uh, so he comes in I told you not to put metal in the science of him What'd you do that for? Don't make such a big deal, just get another one
0: I don't want another one, I want
1: the one that Carmine gave me I want the one that Carmine gave me Carmine, Carmine Why don't you just marry Carmine Get a little gold microwave and put it on a chain around your neck You want to be more like Carmine? Why don't you build something like he does? Instead of all your empty deals, it's just like your fucking science oven. You know, I read that it takes all of the nutrition out of our food. It's empty, just like your deals. Empty, empty. bullshit. It's not bullshit. I read it in an article. Look, by Paul Berdeur. Bring something into this house that's gonna take all the nutrition out of our food and then light our house on fire? Thank God for me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: She always turns it around into her being the saviour every uh, time.
1: It's brilliant. She's so good. I love it.
0: That uh, The author of that article, I think, sued them.
1: Really? Yeah. Oh, that's good research.
0: Yeah. Because he's like, yes, I wrote articles about microwaves when they came out. But he's like, I never said that they were going to take the nutrition out of it. And they changed all the names of all the other characters. Except that. Except that.
1: Wow. Yeah. Good research, that. <laughs> Moving on to lovable jargon. Have you got any contenders here? I've got
0: nothing. Yeah, we
1: fall down here. I went through and I must admit, I went searching high and low for this to the point that I downloaded the script to the movie and started going through <laughs> it like line by line. <laughs> That's the dedication that you get here at the Movie for Two podcast, people. <laughs> I literally have the PDF on my computer and I was going through and I was doing... Shows how
0: much time we have. All
1: sorts of like Command F to try and like search for certain words to see (laughs) if that sort of popped up in places.
0: For a con movie about like corrupt politicians, there's not a lot. No, they don't have
1: any of even like the mafia slang stuff that you get in so many of the, you know, think of things like Goodfellas and all of that where you get all of that sort Mm. of, you know, New York sort of Jersey mafia slang and all that sort of stuff. You don't get any of that either. No. Yeah. So that means we fall down there. Have you got any contenders for lines and phrases that have entered everyday language science oven nah, no no nah. <laughs> so we fall down one out of three yeah we're gonna have to be content with the fact that we did get it on uh, our last episode when harry met sally mm-hmm. so we're gonna have to be content with that i think that now takes us to a running tally with lingo bingo of two out of 16
0: we should just stop keeping count no, no, no,
1: no. I mean, you want it to be a challenge. <laughs> okay. And All every right, now yeah. and then we'll deliberately pick a movie yeah. that makes sure we get it. Exactly. Okay. Moving on to our next segment, which is your awesomely named one, which is? Name
0: that bitch. This is
1: where we pick out someone that's a little bit obscure from the movie and ask who are they and what else have they been in? Can I go first? Yeah. I was just going to say that our last couple of movies have been very hard with this because yeah. they've, we did Focus and then we did When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. And there's pretty much only two people in each of those movies. <laughs> I know that there are other people, but you've got basically them two and then extras in each of those movies. Yeah, this you've got characters all over the joint. Yeah, go on.
0: I'm going to pick an easy one. Okay. So the chic, the fake chic that the FBI brings in.
1: Yeah, this is uh, (laughs) this is Camarena from Narcos.
0: Yes, Kiki Camarena. (laughs) Yeah, is he
1: is it it, what's his name in real life? Something Pena.
0: Michael Pena. Michael
1: Pena, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, and his great little line there when they're in the private jet. And Richie, the cop, so he's like briefing him on the whole thing. He's like, "Any other questions?" And I was going to say Camarena—that's not his name. The Sheik, <laughs> the Mexican <laughs> FBI Sheik, says, "Yeah, I think the name of this operation is offensive. What? Ab scam, Arab scam? It's racist. Are you fucking kidding? What do you care? Yeah. You're Mexican."
1: <laughs> I did love that bit. You and I <laughs> both had a chuckle when that. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got a couple. Can I throw? Can I throw two at you? Because oh dear, yeah. Well, in the last movie that we did, I don't think I had one. So you just went at me. catching up. So I'm basically, you know, this is me catching up. All right. So the first one is Alphonse Simone, which is uh, Robert De Niro's attorney. So Robert De Niro's name is uh, Telegio is is, his surname, I think. His attorney.
0: He's definitely in Sopranos, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is, oh my gosh, I can't think of his name, but he's definitely in Sopranos.
1: (laughs) He's Beansy. Beansy. (laughs) Beansy <laughs> in Sopranos. That's who he is. He's also in Entourage. And we like went that. through this in our Silver Linings episode because he's also in oh, Silver Linings. Oh, of
0: course. I was like, why he, does the name Beansy ring around? Yeah, okay.
1: He's the Dallas Cowboys fan in, oh. in Silver Linings to just demonstrate the fact that David O. Russell has basically just taken his cast from his other movies Same and put Pete. them in this one.
0: Well, yeah, his son's in it again as well. I didn't pick him in this, but he's in it again. Really? Yeah.
1: Can So can I put my other uh-huh. uh, candidate uh, t- to you? Okay. So it's Pete who ends up becoming Rosalind's boyfriend, who she oh, ends yeah. up being with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you can you place him at all? No. Okay. I
0: can't even, like, his mustache is quite, you know, it's quite thick.
1: He looks it's... like a bit of a weird Johnny Depp.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 I like that. Mm-hmm.
1: So his name in real life is uh, Jack Huston. Okay. And the most recent role that he's played, well, actually, I think there's quite a few things that he's recently played, but the sort of the one that stands out on his IMDb list is that he played Robert F. Kennedy in The Irishman.
0: Oh, yeah, I never would have picked that. No. Well done.
1: But I thought it was a good yeah, little tidbit.
0: Yeah, that's good. So Relevant, had, new. All these mobsters just keep playing other mobsters, don't yeah, they?
1: Yeah, I mean, once you get into this sort of circle of or this genre of movies, you just keep getting yeah. roles,
0: don't you? <laughs> <laughs> De Niro was a mobster, of course.
1: So moving on to our next segment, which is who could you be mates with? So if you were to be able to take someone out of this movie and plonk them in your real life, who could you be friends with Danny and why?
0: I'm going to go for something that you're probably not going to expect. Okay. Jeremy Renner's character, Carmine. Oh,
1: so I thought about him too. <laughs> I didn't go in, but I thought about it, yeah.
0: I know he's corrupt. And maybe I should have read like the real story to see what the real. Yeah, you don't
1: have to worry about that.
0: Anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I don't actually, do I? No, this is a movie. Um, but he just he does truly believe that what he's doing is the right thing and that he's doing it for the right reasons. And he looks like a genuine family man. Those lunches that they have look really sweet. I would absolutely love to be there. It looks really wholesome.
1: You always really go the the genuine the option, sweet, in, yeah, yeah, in this category. Whereas I always go the stupid one.
0: <laughs> well, he also seemed to have a lot of connections, and you'd get to go to those casino openings. That looked like fun too. Yeah,
1: you get you a good blackjack table. That's oh, yeah. for sure. So I was going through them and basically ended up at a bit of a process of elimination here. Okay. So I just want to sort of go through the candidates and explain why you wouldn't want to be mates with them first. <laughs> So to start with, Rosalind's an absolute psycho. Yeah, I couldn't you, trust her. You, you don't need a friend like that. No. Sydney is always playing someone, so you'd never really know if you're actually friends with Sydney. Yes. Richie, played by uh, Bradley Cooper. As we said, he's, he's a bit of a dick.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah he really is. Yeah, you yeah. don't really
1: want to be mates with him. Carmine, I know you've just said him, but he's essentially a crook mayor, and, you know, I don't really want to be mates with a crook politician.
0: I will be. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that leaves me with Irving. As essentially the default option here. Yep. And so I was thinking about this and I was like, how could I put a positive spin on a friendship with this bloke? And so the <laughs> only way that I could think about doing this is if, you know, and I don't want to say that I'm looking for this situation, but <laughs> as if you, Danny, weren't in the picture. Oh. This is the only way that I could be particularly friends with this guy from an enthused perspective. And I'm just going to explain to you why. You
0: want to have a relationship with Christopher Bale?
1: No. No. Okay. It's if you're a single bloke. Yes, and you're going out with a guy like this who's got the confidence to go and talk to a lot of girls Uh but doesn't necessarily have the looks to get the deal over the line, Uh. you might be positioned quite nicely in that overall (laughs) social arrangement. (laughs) That might be a a way that you could do quite well for yourself as a single bloke. And I was just thinking that's the only way that I think I can get one of these characters in there (laughs) as a positive slant as being mates with.
0: You've definitely picked worse characters in these movies. Yeah, I thought
1: I was quite creative there. Yeah, I thought that know, was good. You, you
0: did very well. That pool party there at the start looks quite fun.
1: Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Although his outfit where he's got his guts hanging out with this sort of like, you know, mesh oh, thing going on. No, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> If he can
0: pull Amy Adams, I'm pretty happy with that.
1: Yeah, true. She's stunning in this. Moving on to our final segment, which is prequel, sequel or spin off. So if one of these was to come along or you could pitch one, what would you want to see, Danny?
0: I think we need a sequel just to be sure that the kid of Rosalyn is okay.
1: Oh, yeah. What a shocking household <laughs> that kid comes up.
0: <laughs> the poor thing. I really hope he turns it okay. Yeah. But just that was just a side note. Okay. More importantly... I want to know what's going on with the Florida mobsters. Oh, so this is what I had too—a Miami spin on American Hustle.
1: Yes, yes, exactly what I had. Yes, the only the only thing that I had as a specific point in here, which is maybe slightly different to yours. Mm-hmm. Is that I'd like to see that. Yep but with basically a straight director and actor pairing between David O. Russell and Robert De Niro. Yes. That just as yep. a pairing without maybe the distraction of all of these other characters around. Yeah. And really focusing in on that I think would be absolutely awesome yep. because when De Niro's in this – he goes back to that super sinister De Niro that you might have seen in some of his sort of more old school roles yeah. rather than the sort of bit of a softie that he plays in some of his more recent stuff. yeah. He comes into it and he's like terrifying in the five minutes that he's in this movie, isn't he? It's like, <laughs> he
0: really is. You're so passionate about this Because he, he
1: just like puts this sort of like jolt into the whole thing when mm. it's sort of going along at a pretty cruisy sort of pace for a little while there. And then he comes in and it's like. Bang. Yeah. and The stakes
0: like, are much higher. Yeah.
1: So I've had exactly the same thing. Yeah. I think if you were going to put something, maybe it's, yeah, it's more of a spin-off than it is a sequel. I yes. think you just like to see that world, you know, let's move away from this world in New York and let's move down into Miami. Because
0: it's like disco Scarface.
1: Yeah. I really like that. And, <laughs> but in a little bit of a crazy, a zany way because yeah, you get fun. that David O. Russell thing. So it's not going to be quite as hardcore. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. think it's fun. But then you've got an awesome character because I think, you know, even though you only get five minutes of De Niro, there's a properly fleshed out character there.
0: Mm, I think yeah. that'd
1: be an awesome spin-off.
0: Casino dealings with Abu Dhabi and all sorts of stuff. Oh, yeah.
1: that's so good. Backstory. I like when we end on agreement, Danny. We're going to have to end there. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be back again <laughs> uh, probably. Uh, soon? Yeah, very soon. Mm. We're going to try and do this quite regularly over this strange period that we're in. Until then, everyone, give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Movie for Two Podcast, and leave us a rating and a review on Apple. That's all for now. You've been listening to the Movie for Two Podcasts. Bye.